I think it's about community. And I know you have a, the Evolve CPG has a further, faster together idea. I think it is going further together and finding that community. If we're sharing a language, whether it's B Corp, whether it's purpose, whether it's impact, whether it's future fit, at our core, as business owners, as people in society, we want better, but not better, not coming at the expense of externalizing that cost to make something worse. This is Evolve CPG, a community of purpose-driven brand leaders who not only believe in better, but actively pursue it. That's better products, better brands, and better leadership for a better world. Join our online community where we're going further, faster, together at community.evolvecpg.com. I'm your host, Gage Mitchell, founder and creative director of Modern Species, a sustainable brand design agency helping better brands grow and scale their impact. On today's episode, we're speaking with Rob Sinclair, founder of the Imaginal Collective, about understanding the issues that are material to your brand in order to future-proof your company and move beyond sustainability towards regeneration. I'm Rob Sinclair, founder of Imaginal Collective, and the Imaginal Collective is really that idea of looking at the future, what the future needs of us as business, as individuals within that business, and imagining all the impacts, and then backcasting from that envisioned future to our current reality and creating strategies that are flexible, dynamic, and give a good return on investment. I've been doing a lot more learning about transition design lately because one of my good friends, Demeji, graduated with the first PhD in transition design. And since then, I've been learning from him and we've been running some workshops and stuff. And I know a lot about what you talk about and your process kind of fits in with that too. So I'm excited to dig into your brain a little bit here and pull some of those goodies out for the, the listeners here. So you mentioned the Imagine All Collective, which is amazing. And we'll talk a little bit more about your approach in a second. But first, you know, I wanted to start with a subject that you and I have been talking about a lot lately. And I don't know if it's like common knowledge or common terminology yet. So for our listeners, I'd love for you to explain a little bit more about like what is materiality and why is that important? So materiality, I'll talk about kind of the traditional definition of materiality before I go into our unique approach. But basically, it's an exercise with shareholders and business and kind of gaining some insights and looking at the information around the importance of social environmental issues, how those are relevant to the company. So basically looking at, you know, starting with a back, a blank sheet of paper, you know, where do we need to go to, right? So starting from that position of like, what are the things that are material and it could be wages, it could be sustainable packaging, it could be all these pieces of what's material for your business, primarily from the lens of social and environmental. The business has their idea of what that is, and then they talk to different stakeholders who have ideas of what that is. And then you just kind of throw it on a grid and look at relative importance on one axis for the stakeholder, relative importance for the business, and then up in the top corner, you have the key material issues for that business. And I think there's some really great examples out there. I think we've actually talked about this on our lunch break series gauge with Maple Leaf Food when we were uh, breaking down Field Roast, who's one of the brands under Maple Leaf, and how they've actually gone about addressing materiality in a really interesting way. And then typically that materiality 
those material issues are now metrics in which the organization measures against and creates strategy around achieving those goals that are material both to the stakeholder as well as to the business itself. Yeah, and you just touched on on something interesting too there, the the stakeholders, right? So I think that's maybe part of this materiality approach that Imaginal has. Can you talk a little bit more about your Imaginal approach to identifying, understanding, measuring, communicating, et cetera, materiality, and especially like when it comes to like a multi-stakeholder approach to that? Like I said, the typical approach with business is where do we need to be to ensure success or where are we now? Traditional businesses ask, you know, where are we now, given what our stakeholders are saying, what should we do next? They're starting from this unsustainable future. And where we're different is what we're saying is, where do we need to be to ensure our success supports a flourishing society and how can we get there? So the vision of the Imaginal Collective is harmony, right? And we define harmony as a flourishing, responsive, regenerative society. So if we're talking about whether it's an inverse materiality assessment or reverse, because traditional materiality assessments are starting from here and projecting forward, what we're saying is, well, what is that envisioned future for a flourishing, responsive, regenerative society? And then let's backcast, right? And talk about how we can get there. Unfortunately, there's some great frameworks that are out there and we don't have to reinvent the wheel. And the one that we go to that we've used for with all our sustainability work is an iteration of the natural step framework called the Future Fit Business Benchmark. And the Future Fit Business Benchmark has 23 goals. So in traditional materiality starting places, you'd start with this blank piece of paper and say, okay, well, what are these things that are important to us? Versus these 23 break-even goals have been defined And what we can say is, okay, well, which ones deserve the most attention and why? You know, and then we can ask a series of questions of, you know, how difficult will be for our business to reach this goal? You know, how much could society be be impacted if the goal is not reached? And how much risk could be exposed to our business if the goal is not pursued, right? So it really allows us to start with a framework and now backcast to our current reality and say, okay, well, you know, and start vetting it through these questions. And we feel that as much as (laughs) looking at the future from our current space is, is fun, I think we need to look at what's most important for our sustainable future. And the Future Fit Business Benchmark has these 23 goals, right? These break-even goals, which I'll get into in a minute, but has these 23 break-even goals that are saying, hey, you know, this is what we need to just not go into debt, planetary debt, societal debt every year as operating a business, right? That's sustainable. That, that's just breaking. The bare minimum, yeah. So breaking, bare minimum, right? And, and I think this is the thing with sustainability that is a little bit flawed. And I know I've shared this before is, you know, someone asks me how my relationship with my wife is. And I say, oh, it's, it's sustainable. They're like, whoa, what's going on? What's happening? <laughs> yeah. Versus it's flourishing. It's regenerative, right? The Future Fit Business Benchmark, and this is all Creative Commons open source stuff, which is really cool too, is saying, okay, there's these 23 break even, but we also have these positive pursuits that go above. So once you've hit this break even, now you can actually start regenerating. So our vision of harmony is flourishing, responsive, regenerative society. And 
materiality is such a key piece to that, to create that container around what society requires business to be in order to be fit for the future, right? There's so many things to break down in there. One thing that you said was interesting to me, I love a good blank whiteboard where you can start from scratch, but I'm also a framework geek as well too. Like I, I like creating frameworks or working with frameworks, but I feel like a lot of people get like so much anxiety around a blank whiteboard because they don't know where to start, right? And you talked about like traditional, traditionally you would approach materiality from like a blank slate probably because like maybe every company's materiality is different, right? Just based on what they do, what they make, where they exist and so on and so forth. So like not boxing it into a preset container, but just like looking at it as it is. And maybe that works from here forward standpoint is what I'm getting. But when you're thinking about the future backwards, maybe that's too complex or too out there for people to wrap their mind around. And therefore, a framework helps. Is that kind of why you feel like with your method of working from the future backwards, is that why a framework is more helpful? Or do you just use that framework as a starting point and then kind of do some big whiteboard like what's missing for you after that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. A couple things with that is really materiality is materiality in the traditional sense is breaking down what stakeholders care about and what business cares about, right? And we create all these things and we start clustering them together or affinity mapping. That is a huge exercise unto itself, right? And and we've done this with companies around enabling and inhibiting forces around certain things. So we're starting with that future in mind, and we already have these 23 goals that have been broken down into eight areas of materiality. It gives us a starting place and allows us to now have some conversation. And like I said, we can start the process at a bit more of an advanced place than the blank sheet of paper. And we could still have blank sheets of paper as as far as creating strategies around achieving those goals, but at least we know what those goals are. I'll use the word interoperability here. Mm, Good word. It's a great (laughs) word, isn't it? (laughs) It's from cryptocurrency and digital assets, that that whole interoperability of the different layered solutions and stuff. But with regards to materiality and with regards to an organization and existing framework, we kind of work from this place of concentric circles where sustainability, impact, I mean, so many names for it, but just being a future fit business really is at the center. And at that center is also different standards. And what we like about the Future Fit Business Benchmark and our approach is that the interoperability, we can see that direct connection to the Sustainable Development Goals, to the B Corp Impact Assessment, to that other standard, to that other standard. So it's really a great centerpiece. And then from there, we can ripple out into that better for the world, best for the world, type of idea, right? But it's at that core of the business that now we have this framework that allows us to drive strategy, drive culture and all those things from that place. That makes sense. And then you were talking about this idea of like sustainable versus regenerative, right? And you mentioned that the future Mm -hmm. fit model is kind of based to some degree is what I'm getting on the sustainability. Like here's what you need as a company to survive through the future, But then you talk about wanting to go beyond from there and talk about, great, now that we've solved for sustainability, let's figure out how we're building regenerative harmony, et cetera. Does the future fit business model 
have some of that regenerative stuff built into it? Or is that the layer that Imagine All is weaving on top of it? Yeah. So Future Fit has the 23 break-even goals, right? On the categories, if we look at those material issues from broad stroke, right, there'll, there'll be energy, water, natural resources, drivers, so business drivers, pollution, waste, physical presence, and people, right? So there's these areas that are the large, and underneath those is where the 23 break-even goals reside. In there as well, under those same headings or the same main categories are also positive pursuit goals. And it's those positive pursuit goals that are, in, in my mind, and defined as being regenerative in sense. So the break-even goals are sustainable. The positive pursuit are the regenerative goals. Our unique approach with the imaginal is that we can imagine all those impacts under that area as they relate to that business itself. It's very helpful to have these goals. And, and we just created and are in the process of putting together the data, but we created an impact assessment for cryptocurrencies. It's basically an ESG index for cryptocurrencies and digital assets. And what we found is that not all of these areas, we, we based it off the future fit business benchmark, but not all these areas were relevant to digital assets. And one of the ones that wasn't relevant was water, right? We included it in another area, but it's not as relevant as, say, manufacturing. But isn't water like one of the key problems with digital because of hosting and servers, they have to use a lot of water to cool their facilities. And then, you know, is that water getting put out back into the world polluted or do they clean it and so on and so forth? Yeah, that's the mining operations, which is, is kind of separate. And it, you know, like there's kind of the digital assets and there's the mining companies that mine the digital assets. It's not specific to the digital assets but it does have a relationship side of it. So we just included it in, you know, another area. But the imagine all side of it is looking at how that strategy can now be developed as we imagine all these impacts, bringing in the stakeholder side of it as well as including them into the actual design of the strategy. So we haven't started with that blank sheet of paper, but we now have these goals and we've talked about how difficult Will it be for the business to reach these 23 goals? How much could society be impacted if that goal is not reached? And how much risk to the business could there be if that goal is not pursued, right? So bringing in the stakeholder when we start talking about those enabling and inhibiting forces for reaching each of those targets. And it is kind of, it's a lot of work <laughs> to develop material issues for a business, even starting with the 23 goals that have been outlined from uh, the future fit business benchmark, because now their strategy and starting to achieve those goals. So if we're talking about backcasting, we talk about, here's this regenerative future, and we backcast to that current reality, you know, does this goal move us in the right direction Is a flexible platform? Does it give us a return on investment? Because as you know, things change quite rapidly. As we dynamically steer it, it's no longer businesses that predict and control strategy is an observe and respond. As long as we're really clear on that envisioned future, and we have a higher purpose that drives that strategy throughout the organization. And then we get to put that all into a report and share that and are able to effectively communicate our progress towards these goals on a very tangible basis. 
And you mentioned stakeholders again, like weaving them into the process somewhere. So when when I've often led design strategy or design thinking type sessions where we're trying to do some co-design, throwing out more words there, but where you want to not be a few people that aren't even in the beneficiary community designing stuff for the beneficiaries. You know, like that's how most things historically have all been created. Like a bunch of men designing clothing for women and they've never had to wear this stuff. They don't know how it works, etc. is a good example. Or a bunch of white knights, as they say, going into an underserved community and deciding what that community needs for them instead of including them. So in those kind of projects, you want to try to include the stakeholders as early as possible. Maybe it's not always possible to include them in the initial discovery session or whatever, but you include them early. So for this materiality and future fit business model, like what is Imaginal's approach to bringing those stakeholders in? Do you try to map out that whole materiality first with the you know core leaders of the business and then bring in the stakeholders to help design the path forward once you've backcasted? Or do you try to bring those stakeholders in as well early on to try to help the business leaders identify things that maybe they wouldn't have seen otherwise? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I guess, yes, and, <laughs> you know, like, it's a bit of a dynamic conversation. If we're using those three kind of critical thinking questions around how difficult will it be for the business to achieve this, reach this goal? I, I mean, I think that's definitely an internal piece of it. But how much could society be impacted if this goal is not reached? Well, as a business owner, I have my lens on what that means, right? But I might not know, you know, if, if we look at kind of the, the stakeholder, the people side of it, I might not be able to talk to some of those pieces from the lens of, I might not be as aware of the the nuances that are required to make that decision of if society, how much could society be impacted if this goal wasn't achieved? So that's where we would start talking to stakeholder groups. And I think it's important to have identified the stakeholder groups prior to this process, right? So doing a stakeholder mapping session and just understand who those key stakeholder groups are. And yeah, have them as part of that conversation. And it allows us to have a framework and also have that blank piece of paper in talking about the importance of each of these goals as they relate to, you know, the material issues for the future fit of business in society. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Bring them into, like, obviously you have to have the initial session to even know who to invite in (laughs) in the first place. And there's probably some initial materiality that's laid down during that meeting. But then once you need to identify what are the consequences of pursuing this or not pursuing it. I think that makes sense to broaden the perspectives in the room. So great. That's helpful. I'm just curious how long something like this normally takes. Like, is this a project that you're banging out in like three months or is this something that you work with a company on across like two or three years until you have that final report? Yeah. It, well, we kind of believe in the idea of progress over perf- perfection, right? And I think this is one of the biggest misconceptions of this type of work, that it's a one size fits all, it's a silver bullet, and, you know, we'll get it done in a five-day workshop, and then we'll be good for a number of years. And really, this is building into the culture of the organization. And we have different tools that we use to help measure the success of these initiatives. It's really building into the culture of the organization, into the DNA 
that higher purpose and that drive towards being in the state of harmony, a flourishing response of regenerative society, right? It is a, a starting point, this work, but then we have to create the metrics to, to measure it. And there, there's a lot of questions to ask under each of these pillars once we've decided on priorities. And then how do we prioritize those actions? And, you know, is it important now? And it's a review and like, how are we advancing on the goal? And that's why I really like something like uh, B Corp. So there's kind of the higher purpose of the organization. And then there's the principles and the performance, right? And we have a tool that we use, the conscious brands assessment that looks really at the purpose and the principles. And then something like B Corp measures on the principles and performance. And the future fit business benchmark, and this is where that interoperability really comes in, is that future fit business benchmark helps to create that container in which the purpose, the principles, and the performance can live and help guide us forward. It is a journey. <laughs> you know, it's not something that we get done. And it's not something that we get done in a five-day workshop. It it is a journey, and it's something that we, you know, our goal when we work with organizations is to build that internal capacity, and help them on their journey. I know we've used analogies before of what that looks like, but we've been on this path many times, and we know where the pitfalls are. But we're not going to piggyback you on the hike towards the summit. We make you carry your own bags, but we're going to be those guides that help you help you along the way, make sure that you're safe. We know where we're stopping. We know where there's fresh water. We know where the trails <laughs> worn out and we need to create a new path. I think it's important to have those guides, both internally and externally within an organization. And then also, you know, the, the thing that I think is really important to do is find community around this. Those internal and external guides, having a community and something, you know, like the Evolve CPG community is really important for these conversations because we can try to run up fast and do a scramble up a mountain, or we can go further past that mountain if we're going together. I think it's about community. And I know you have a, the Evolve CPG has a further, faster together <laughs> yep. idea. I think it is going further together and finding that community. If we're sharing a language, whether it's B Corp, whether it's purpose, whether it's impact, whether it's future fit, at our core as business owners, as people in society, we want better, but not better not coming at the expense of externalizing that cost to make something worse. So beautiful. You were mentioning, you know, you gotta start somewhere with a or game plan progress over perfection, but then you gotta figure out how you're measuring that, you gotta figure out how you're communicating it, you gotta figure out how you're weaving that into your ongoing company culture, because even the name future fit implies like like human fitness. It's a constant practice, right? You don't just go out and get fit one week and then you're fit for the rest of your life. It's, it's something that you've got to put in daily effort on to stay fit. So probably future fits the same way. I'm curious, let's just say somebody's got this beautiful plan that someone like Imagine All has put together for them that documents their materiality and some of the concerns they should be focusing on. From there, what are those next steps? Like how do how are you seeing people going about measuring? Is this like a yearly measurement? Are there some cool tech tools that are constantly kind of pulling live data to measure? Like what does that process look like? Yeah, I think the starting point is taking a pulse of the organization. And that's where a tool like the Conscious Brands Assessment really comes in. 
So we need to know that the, the culture of the organization has a readiness to implement a program like this, right? Because there is a lot of work that need to be done across departmentally and cross-functional teams that, one, just to collect the data that's required to move this forward. So really taking a pulse of, is this a purpose-driven company? How intrinsically engaged are the employees? How agile and responsive are we? Like, are there things that we need to look at prior to doing this? So let's say, yes, we've taken that pulse and we've tweaked how where we need to tweak and we're good to start. Well, let's start talking about these future fit goals. <laughs> let's run through a, a workshop on materiality. And from there, we need to create a strategy, right? So we know where we want to go. We know our current reality. Now we need to bridge that gap with a strategy, right? So we've, we've backcasted to our current reality. We need to bridge that with a strategy. So how do we set priorities on these things? And, you know, as you know, what gets measured gets managed. So how are we measuring these things? What does success look like? What are our goals around this? Is this like a three-year, five-year, like 10-year goal? Like what, what are our goals? How are we measuring those goals and what, what actions? And who's supporting that, right? And so, yes, ideally there's an internal team, but there probably needs to be some capacity building. And how is that front of center? And I think this is what you're talking about. This is the live dashboard that we have that helps to measure these, these material issues as they relate to something like B Corp, as they relate to just the overall impact of the organization. And then we can start slowly telling some of those stories. And one of the things with telling stories is we've imagined all those impacts. Now we need to talk about all those impacts and they might not be pretty, right? And we, we need to be real about, hey, I didn't run that race that I thought I'd do. I didn't go for, it's warts and all reporting, I guess is what it's called. I can't do the race because I grew a wart on my foot. Yeah, <laughs> something. <laughs> Man, I should wear flip-flops <laughs> at the yeah. pool. What was I thinking? Every time. It's having this data front and center so that we're continually monitoring and measuring it. And and reporting successes and also engaging those stakeholders on solutions, right? Like we've created these ideas of how we think we might be able to achieve these goals. And we've identified how difficult it is for us to reach those goals. But maybe there's technology and emergence. I'm often surprised at, and I, you probably get this as well, Gage, but just how much I know and how much of what I know is not common knowledge. Right. And I, I don't want that to sound like, oh, my God, check out the big brain on Rob. But just the pulse that that I have my finger on on a regular basis is different than other people's pulses. And I think that's why having people with different experiences as part of these conversations are really important. I think this is where that community side of things is really important because my pulse on impact is different than your pulse on impact or is an impulse. What is your impulse, Gage? <laughs> but, you know, because you look at it from such a different lens and it's it's a really, it brings things into the conversation. And you, your question was like, what is that trajectory? I think it's emergent. There are some steps of just like continuing to take that pulse and being accountable and sharing what's working and sharing what's not working because we are in this global community. And, you know, I, I know there's the analogy that we're all in the same boat. Well, actually, we're not all in the same boat. We're maybe in the same body of water, 
And some people have super yachts. Some people have kayaks. Some people have paddle boards. Some people hopefully have life jackets. And some people are just treading water. And I think we need to realize that we are all part of the system and we all have these constraints of the planet. And if we can achieve those break-even goals as businesses, we can be, you know, at least fit for the future. And then hopefully we can be positive pursuit and start be more regenerative. Yeah. Or from a modern species slash evolved CPG perspective, if we don't become future fit, we're all going to die <laughs> and, and a new species will take over, right? But, you know, that's how evolution works. If, you, if you're not fit for the, the future environment, then you're not going to survive. But if you can be fit and thrive in this environment and be evolving into the future environment, then you're going to survive and thrive, right? So I think that's part of why we believe in constant evolution is because it's not a one and done thing. You can't be like, all right, I fixed myself or my business or my whatever, and it's done right now, and I'm good forever now, right? No, it doesn't work that way. Like the environment changes, business culture changes, pandemics hit, like all sorts of things are constantly coming and, and being thrown at you. So you need to have that kind of future fit mindset where you're considering all those things that might come up in the future and some of those threats that might be coming your way. And you also, like you said, it's it's a living being thing, you know, like you've got to be able to pivot and it's got to be an ongoing conversation, not like we solved our future fit one this one year and now we're good for 20 years because three years from now, the world might be very different from when you kind of did that first assessment. So keeping that iterative approach and constantly evolving, I think makes a lot of sense. So you were talking about like communicating to like, well, one thing real quick that I just want to mention that I thought was cool is, you know, we've done a lot of like sustainability and annual reports, things like that, where historically it's a, well, it's the end of the year, or the beginning of the year. Now we've got to go back and gather all that data and, and put it into this one report that we publish this year or maybe every other year or something like that. But what's cool with a lot of technology coming out these days and in, in your platform or, or kind of some of the systems you're building are one such platform or one such piece of technology to where you can actually be on an ongoing basis measuring that. So like you can go on Tuesday of next week, go pull a report and see what your materiality or whatever it looks like at that moment, which I think opens up opportunity for communication that just wasn't there before. By which I mean, maybe this idea of an annual report of your impact might be going away at some point. A lot of our clients are doing this phase transition from like doing a report every year to doing a report every other year with a little bit of an update in between to now doing maybe more of an online website to then hopefully as the future continues to evolve, maybe what it's going to become is like this like transparent dashboard that consumers or stakeholders can log into and see what the impact looks like today. <laughs> you know, like there, there could be just really cool opportunities like that. And the reason I'm saying this slash going here is I'm curious to see if you've seen any trends on how your clients are communicating their impacts. Like, again, it used to just be in a report. Then people started maybe putting some of it on packaging. Maybe it wove its way into some social media. But what else? How else are people doing this? Yeah, I think communication is a, a little bit of a mixed piece of this. Because a, a lot of times, I mean, a couple of things came up as you're talking. <laughs> is there There is that last minute approach to all this stuff. and it shouldn't be that way. As a business owner, I get it. The fast pace that things come at us. 
So that's why it's important to have systems in place. We help a lot of organizations become B Corp certified and build the systems to help this uh, certification as well as the recertification. And I would say probably 60% of our clients, maybe even greater, are, I'm sure most of your listeners know about, but the recertification is every three years, right? You have to have a threshold score of 80 and it progressively gets harder. It's, It's a living standard. So it becomes harder to recertify every three years. So if I was sitting at an 82 and I did nothing, and when I went to recertify in three years, very likely I would be below that 82 threshold. So we want clients to be continually moving. And they they also want to be continually moving towards that goal because B Corp certification for the organization is important on many ways. So I think B Corp is one of the ways that companies report out a lot of these impact things. Like you said, there's those marketing messages and everyone's trying to get ahead with marketing. It's very, very crowded in the space and it's very noisy. And I think that, and it actually be interesting to hear your thought on this gauge, but my thought is, yes, if there is something dynamic that's on pack that I can scan as a consumer and as a consumer, I know to scan it, to understand maybe the impact not only of that product, but also of the company. And it tied into a real-time dashboard. And that dashboard was robust enough that not only I could see it as a consumer, but anyone within the organization could see it as it fits the role. Like, wow, what kind of decisions would I make? And what sort of trust would I have if that was the company I was dealing with, knowing that their product is actually moving things forward in the world to be a more flourishing society. That'd be pretty cool, right? And I would feel good spending my dollars. So I guess the, the question to you, and I'm taking this podcast as a bit of a, a bit of a dialogue, not an interview, but uh, the question to you that I have is how can companies, or maybe it's not even how can, but do you think that if companies just took a pause in telling or trying to market so rapidly with their products and everything. And maybe that's not even the question, but what do you think the future of telling stories is for brands? Because I don't think how it's how companies are going about it now is going to last much longer. Yeah, it's just like so, so noisy. What happens with most things is there's the traditional way it's done. And as the way of doing it kind of evolves. It's usually based off of the way it used to be done with some small tweaks, right? So again, like when we first started doing sustainability reports, most companies were just like, well, we'd produce this annual report. Can we just kind of make it like that? And it, you know, followed the same format, followed the same structure, you know, and it was published in the same frequency and, and so on and so forth. And then it kind of evolved and people started realizing, well, Barely anyone reads these long reports. Like, even if you're a sustainability geek, you probably didn't read every word of this report. So maybe we can make these more engaging. And they start making them a little bit more visual, whether it's infographics, photography, typography, you know, whatever. And then that helped and maybe more eyeballs got on it, more people were sharing it. And then there were more nuggets that you could put into social media. And then they realized, well, people are really engaging with the entertaining stuff or when we break it down in terms that make sense for them. So then that kind of storytelling starts evolving and maybe people start creating videos or building a website or making long scrolling website pages with little animations and interactive kind of elements where people can kind of like play with it. That kind of evolves. And then this idea of 
more vul- brand vulnerability, as I've been describing it, comes up to where, like you said, the warts and all kind of reporting to where maybe this isn't just the best of highlights of what we were able to accomplish, but we can also talk about our failures or what didn't go right or where we messed up or or whatever else might come up. And you start seeing more of that honesty and, and transparency slash vulnerability in, in the communicating. And then I think one example I would say was a, a recent guest, and this is less to do with impact, I think, but more of like a, a storytelling strategy that I've been seeing as like maybe one of these, a newish company called Midday Squares out of, I think, Montreal or Quebec or something like that. But they are just making waves with their unique storytelling style where they're considering themselves almost like a reality TV show where they're just going to share everything they possibly can. They've got a podcast. They're always posting up videos. They've got a really active social media channel. They're like regularly talking about the struggles of running a business or they're celebrating their wins or they're, they literally have a weekly therapy session with the founders. Like that's a therapy kind of coaching session to just like talk about what's working, what's not working. And they share some of those kind of results, but they consider themselves part product company, part media company, because they feel like that media side of things, like bringing people along in the journey with them and literally sharing stuff daily, almost like you're an entertainment source they're consuming. They feel like that's equally as important as their product, right? So I think there are shifts towards that. There's more conversations about brands having a quote unquote community rather than just kind of a one-way communication. Like their their consumers, their customers are part of their, for lack of a better word, tribe or or family or or something like that, where they all kind of feel like it's part of their identity or, or they kind of as- associate themselves with the type of person that this brand is, right? So I feel like that's a really long way of saying, I think it went from this like really formal once a year reporting to the future is going to be just putting it all out there, <laughs> like sharing the story, bringing people along for the journey, taking away the wall that separates the company from the community. And in fact, B Corp month coming up very soon here for 2022, the theme is going to be behind the B Corps or something like that, where they're trying to remove that wall and share the story of the people working in these B Corporation certified companies. If I had to put my finger on a map or whatever right now of where things are going, I would say it's probably heading in that direction. Like, how can we share, not just wait for the data to be perfect, but how can we share what we have right now? And how can we tell our story? And how can we share the struggles equally with the wins? And how can we make people feel like we're family or like we're friends or like we're whatever, like just bring them along for the ride and tell them as much as you can tell them. I think that's going to be a hard transition for some brands that are used to having everything polished. But, you know, it seems to be working for some companies like Oatly or Midday Squares or or whoever are, are just out there like throwing some raw truths out there. Oatly is probably a little bit more like advertising spin on it than Midday, but you get the idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think it is that progress over over perfection. And then I guess one of the things that I like to practice is generative listening and suspending the voice of cynicism, suspending the voice of fear, (laughs) and suspending the voice of judgment. But I will air my voice of cynicism here in that how do you create that space without it becoming an echo chamber, right? I think that's, and basically keeping it real. Maybe that vulnerability 
as long as it does, the vulnerability is authentic and it does become sensationalized. I think Midday Squares is a great example of keeping it authentic. And yeah, as companies kind of move along and, you know, you and I have been in this industry for a while, I think 22 years for myself and you're up there as well. And we've seen a lot of brands and you're going to be at Expo West in a couple of weeks here. And I'm a little jealous of that just for the fact that you get to go down to the basement and see the new companies. And then I've been talking to a couple of clients who are looking at what it means to not go to trade shows, right? From that spend perspective. And then with everything that's going on in the world, there's some safety issues with some of their staff and all these things, right? And I guess, what is the future of brands? <laughs> and maybe that's the million dollar question, right? And hopefully that future is conscious and hopefully it's evolved. And hopefully we can be modern species through this co-evolution and really be in the world that we want to create that is fit for the future, that's flourishing, responsive and regenerative for society. That's beautiful. Love it. That could actually be a, a great way to wrap up right there. Just a good sentiment of what the future looks like. But I'm going to just pause for a moment and give you some space for maybe some tips. Like if that is the vision, if that's where we want to get to as brands, as a society, as a world, what kind of tips would you have for a company just getting started on this path of materiality and future fit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it is just get started. And like I said, there's the conscious brands assessment, which we provide, lots of other companies provide it as well to their clients. And really just take a pulse of what's really happening within your organization and look at that alignment, look at that dissonance. And our theory of change in using that tool is really more of a positive psychology of like, let's focus on what's working as opposed to what's not working. And let's look at uh, those individuals that are internal brand believers that can maybe help the organization see things that it doesn't see. And typically what we find is the tenure on those employees that are the internal brand believers, are is, they're relatively young to the company. So we get that enthusiasm, that new blood. And sometimes the old guard doesn't want to change, right? And there, there's things that are foundational about a business. But I think coming back and looking at why you're in business and what is it that is really that deeper why? And I know for the work that I've been doing, it's really using business as a catalyst for positive change. And as long as I can keep to that purpose and all my strategies are arrived from that purpose and having that vision of, of harmony, it really kind of keeps me on track. And I'm a person that needs to be kept on track. I think that the shiny objects are out there and there's lots of them. I would just start with something like the conscious brands assessment to take that initial pulse and assess the readiness of the organization, whether it's this, whether it's B Corp, whether it's new product, like whatever it is, like let's, let's just look at where we're at. And then once we know where we are, we can see that envisioned future of something like future fit and those 23 goals. Then we can look at how difficult it is. And, and I think one of the things that is is challenging in the world right now is this is also overwhelming like the life is overwhelming however we can kind of take a proactive step and have some real conversations of how difficult will it be for you to run that marathon tomorrow gauge there's just all these things that do become a practice 
And just as financial diligence and marketing diligence and operational diligence and supply chain diligence and all these things, we're seeing these impacts of future fit already impacting our business. And if we can assess where they are, we could actually shift from reactive to proactive. And organizational health is an important part of that, as well as individual and mental health. And it all just plays into that purpose and taking that pulse of the organization. So I, I think that's the first step. It's how we start all our engagements, whether, like I said, regardless of what it is. And yeah, I mean, we're on a journey. This is a practice. And we don't have all the answers, but we know what we know now. And we're committed to continuous improvement. Love it. We're the same, you know, constantly evolving, become a modern species. It's a journey that you have to keep going on. Like I said before, it's not an accomplishment that you achieve and you put it up on your shelf. It's something that you do every day. So I love your kind of sentiment there of just get started and see where you are now and see what the appetite is for doing this kind of work and and who your internal champions are, and then kind of go from there. And there's it's a journey from there that's progress over perfection. So great tips. You also mentioned the conscious brands assessment a few times as a starting point. So for anyone new to this podcast, you can check out episode six, also with Rob Sinclair, our guest today, who talked a bit more about the conscious brands assessment during that. The episode is called Purpose on Purpose. So check that out. With that said, Rob, I want to thank you for carving out a slice of your day here to chat with us and share a little bit more about materiality and the future fit framework. So appreciate you always sharing your your wisdom with the community, sharing so generously. And, you know, as a framework geek, I just love that you're always introducing me to these <laughs> different frameworks and that I can maybe weave into some of the what I do. So thanks for being who you are and doing what you do. Thanks, Gage, and deep gratitude to you and the community that, you know, Evolve CPG has become. And I think you're over 100 members and I think you're on track for three to 500, you know, at the end of the year. So I think that idea of going further together and I would put out to the community that ask me some questions and what are you hearing with regards to materiality? What are you thinking is future fit for your business and for society? And let's have a conversation, whether it's on this platform, the Evolve CPG platform, LinkedIn. But I think if we can talk and share, ask for what we need, share what we know, I think really we can create that future that's flourishing. So yeah, thanks, Gage. And thanks for all that you do for the community. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for that plug for the community. Go to community.evolvecpg.com if you haven't already, and we'll continue this conversation there. Subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel for more innovator interviews, expert advice, and leadership discussions. If you like this episode, leave a heart, thumbs up, or review, and share it with your colleagues. As an ever-evolving show, we also love feedback, so send us your thoughts or ideas for who we should talk to next to evolve at modernspecies.com. Business can be a powerful force for good. Is your brand living up to its full potential? Go to EvolveCPG.com to learn about our new impact workshop, Exponential Good. Over six weeks, we'll be thinking bigger, getting relevant, spreading throughout, 
going exponential, working backwards, and making it real so you can walk away with a clear vision and a detailed action plan for scaling your brand's positive impact exponentially. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Rob or the Imagine All Collective, go to imagineallcollective.com. That's imagine without the E, then A-L-L collective.com.